Join us in the dustiest corners of the video store, the back row of the grindhouse, the furthest regions of celluloid. This is Video Store Nightmares. Alright, hello everyone and welcome back to Video Store Nightmares, the podcast where we discuss the strange, the bizarre, and the vampiric films of the VHS era. Tonight we're talking about the 1991 J.R. Bookwalter, Matthew Jason Walsh, uh, shot on video, Suburban Nightmare, Kingdom of the Vampire. My name is Luke and I'm joined by Leland. Listeners, as of this broadcast, you can find 1991's Kingdom of the Vampire streaming for rent on YouTube. Alternatively, there's bootleg DVDs out there for 15 bucks, or if you're lucky, if you're lucky, maybe you can find an actual VHS for $200. Right before we started recording, I found an eBay listing for just the box for $41. It Whatever you do, avoid the remake from 2007. So Leland and I were talking briefly about this before the podcast, but I watched like the first 20 minutes of the remake last night. Um, Leland, based on the little section of the remake you watched, how would you describe it? I watched maybe about 15 to 20 seconds the main setting of the convenience store is replaced with a video rental store. Ha ha. And uh, the whole thing kind of just oozed in just that 15 seconds of like a fan remake. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost line by line. Uh, this movie, um, I noticed a few differences. The main character who, is played by Matthew Jason Walsh. And I'd say that in the original, he appears out 20 at most. Does that sound right? Yeah. In the remake, the character looks about 40. And then his mother, who in the original, I would say appears like 60. Um, in the remake, looks about 30. It's a very odd dichotomy. But moral of the story is avoid the remake. Let's talk about the original. So J.R. Bookwalter, probably best known for The Dead Next Door. Have you ever seen that one? This is my first J.R. film. So Dead Next Door was sort of the launch of his career. And that one was heavily financed, I think, by Sam Raimi. And that's what kind of got him his start. This one was financed by David Dakota, who was a big director for Full Moon, um, directed a lot of straight-to-video shit in the 90s and early 2000s. It is still working, although I think he now makes a lot of those Hallmark Christmas movies. Uh, interesting, you know, career change. Um, but he he produced... I think seven movies for J.R. Bookwalter. So if you look at Bookwalter's IMDb, I mean, in the span of two years, the guy made like 10 movies. 
and this was the first one. Um, so this kicked off their creative partnership. Let's see. I want to look at exactly how how many movies they pumped out. Did he write all of them? Well, this one is not written by Bookwater. This one's written by Matthew Jason Walsh. But no, he did not write all of them. He did different things on them. Let's see. And he made this movie in 1991. He did three movies in 1991, three in 92, and one in 93. So in 1993, he made Ozone, which was the first mo- movie I think he released under Tempe Video, which was his own um, his own video company. And they put out a lot of um, shot-on-video stuff in the 90s, uh, like really collectible tapes now. People are really after that shit. But anyway, this was apparently really influenced by his love of the show Dark Shadows. Did you ever watch that? No. 70s soap opera, but about a family of vampires. Um, I watched it a few times when I was a kid, but I really have not gotten into it. I have been recommended that I should. So maybe I will one of these days, but um, apparently it, it very much inspired this. I feel like that's been remade recently. That sounds familiar. Tim Burton made uh, sort of a comedic movie adaptation with Johnny Depp. Wait, it wasn't originally comedic? No, it's it's it was originally very serious. Oh, all right then. Yeah, very serious, dramatic, melodramatic soap opera. Yeah, I never saw the I never saw the Johnny Depp one, but it did not look like my thing. Well, speaking of serious vampires, I think this film is uh, definitely taking itself very seriously. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, th- that's probably a good time to to talk about the main performances. So Matthew Jason Walsh, who wrote this thing, also plays our lead vampire, Jeff. And he also composed the musical score, um, which I think, he, oh, and performed it. I think it's kind of good. I kind of like the musical score. Compared to a lot of other shot on video films we have watched, the there is a lot of style and quality um, increases that we're not normally used to here. Um, I think the music goes far beyond most other things we've seen for shot on video. And especially the directing shots. I feel like... Uh, I feel like Bookwalter here was a lot more adventurous in how to actually film and capture scenes with this video camera because most of the time it's just still shots, solid frame, you know, that's what we got to work with. But there's a really uh, unimportant scene where we have characters walking outside on a sidewalk and the camera is actually moving with them. It's not just a pan. But they're moving with them and keeping the frame straight. And for a shot on video film, I thought that was really impressive. He's actually, yeah, I think it's he's a visually stylistic director. I think this is relatively well directed. Um, it, whatever you ultimately think of the movie, like I think the direction is solid given the budget. Um, 
in and there's there's some really interesting visual motifs too like inside of jeff's house it's very dark but there's like red lighting that's kind of projected on the ceiling and the walls and stuff in certain scenes almost like suspiria lighting i thought that that was a really interesting choice I think that this movie establishes a sense of place really well. Like I definitely feel like I'm in a suburban neighborhood. There are scenes where Jeff's just kind of walking to and from work that reminded me of Eraserhead where Jack Nance is like walking through this abandoned industrial landscape. Just both movies sort of establish a sense of place in the same way to me, showing these sort of casual behaviors so I yeah I I like the direction quite a bit. What did you think of uh of Matthew Jason Walsh's uh performance? Or are there even words to describe it? This character, really, this entire screenplay, comes off like a uh, nerd role playing a vampire on Tumblr. <laughs> okay. You have like this pale waif of a nerd who is condemned to working night shifts getting nothing else done with his life he goes home and gets abused by his parents <laughs> and this is like their his outlet for like reaching out and and dealing with this trauma right this like shitty situation is they write like this kind of screenplay or this kind of story online that is really what this film invoked to me. I mean, to me, Jeff is like emo 10 years before there was such a thing as emo or until, uh, before we had the name emo. Yeah. Right. All right. I mean, I, I don't I think it's safe to say that that archetype has existed before emo, but it wasn't until emo where it actually got, you know, a title and a name like a designation. Yeah. And and I don't know how much of this is I don't know how much of this is meant to represent the character. Like, all right, let me rephrase this. I don't think Matthew Jason Walsh's performance is bad. I, I actually think it's pretty good. But the character alternates between like really meek, quiet awkwardness and hysterical cry talking that is so over the top that i i don't even know what i think about it i i it's it's strangely endearing to me i don't know i'm rambling you have all of the same um you know bad acting tropes that are seemingly ubiquitous among all of these shot on video films that we have seen so far. But barring that, I think all the performances are spot on. The I think the only character that really jumped out to me as being particularly bad was the uh, mom side character that we run into about halfway through the film. The which character? The <laughs> the trick or treating mom. Oh, OK. Um... I think Jeff's girlfriend, uh, if you want to call her that, Nina, I think that actress is kind of painful. Uh, yeah, but think about what her character is supposed to be. Just like idealized, you know, 
girl who just happens to be interested inexplicably into introverts, right? That, like that's her entire purpose in the plot. She's barely a person. I don't know. She has some pretty profound conversations with Jeff, but we'll we'll get to those. She's played by Shannon Doyle. She was in four movies, including this one. So um, not a huge career. I mean, that's got to be the longest career from this film, though, right? Well, I was well, Matthew Jason Walsh has been in tons of stuff um, and it had a long writing and scoring and uh, directing career. Um, so he's he's definitely got a career. But I will say, I think the best actor in this movie, this was her only movie. And that's Sherry Patry, who plays Jeff's mom. Kind of strange that this is really her only her only film. I know because she she doesn't seem unenthusiastic. The performance is definitely an acting performance, and I think she's good. Yeah, I no, really like her. Yeah, no, she comes off as um like a logically cruel mom for no reason. Yeah, she pulls it off really well. Also, like I think I've said this before, but I really love this trope of like the evil, abusive, crazy mother. I have no yeah. idea why, but I think that's what attracts me to this movie more than anything. <laughs> when when I sucked my wife into watching the remake or a little bit of it last night, she was like, you just like these mom characters. Uh, and yeah, she's kind of right. For anyone wondering, like his Luke's wife isn't even like an abusive mom stereotype. Like, I don't get it. No, I, I don't want an abusive mom. I don't have an abusive mom. I just I just find them immensely entertaining <laughs> when done well. Right. So let's talk let's talk briefly about the story of this movie and and then we'll get to the trailer. But Jeff and his mom are vampires. They live in this suburban neighborhood and he works the night shifts at this convenience store. And Nina is this girl that comes in and starts asking him to walk her home. And they have sort of a romance brewing. But the the main conflict is that Jeff's mom wants him to be a proud vampire. She wants him to take pleasure in killing and hunting humans. Um, she basically like berates him into killing people for for her. That's the implication for like the way their relationship has built. Uh, but he does not want to be a vampire. He doesn't want to hurt people. He just wants to be like, I guess, an ordinary person. What do you think of the story overall? Just like the general story, not the details, but like, do you think this is a good setup for a movie? You know, I, I like the irony of the title, Kingdom of the Vampire. I went into this movie completely blind not knowing what was going to happen. But since it was shot on video, you know, I obviously didn't expect it to be about, you know, castles and ancient, you know, vampiric societies and whatever. But there really isn't much of a kingdom to speak of. It's basically just this kid and his mom in a suburban neighborhood in the early 90s. And that is all that is left. Well, all that we're led to believe that is left of this once mighty formidable power yeah his his mom says that they're the last I, I don't know if that's true but um 
I, I, I'm glad you, you said some of that because my understanding is that David Dakota gave J.R. Bookwalter the titles of these movies, but nothing else. So basically, J.R. Bookwalter got the title King of the Vampire, and he had to make a movie on, uh, about that title with a budget of $2,500. And that sounds like a creative writing prompt. It kind of is. I mean, I think it's actually really genius to think, obviously, I cannot make uh, an epic Kingdom of the Vampire movie with this $2,000. So what if the title was ironic and the kingdom has crumbled and been like hunted out of existence? I thought I think that's a a cool way of going about this. Yeah, I mean it's presented a little hokey, but you know that's just shot on video territory for you. Yeah. Um. All right. Before we play the trailer, I want to read you the back of the box. So this is the cinema home video release. Um. And there's one particular detail that I'm really curious what you think about. It says suburban neighborhoods are her kingdom, and death is her domain. Jeff seems to be a normal guy. He lives at home with his mother. He has a good night job in a liquor store. And he looks pretty good for a vampire that's 90 years old. But Jeff's mother is a terrible old hag who has a habit of killing neighborhood children in her bloodthirsty rages. Jeff remains reluctant to reveal his true identity until he meets Nina, a young woman who fancies him. But Jeff's not the only one with eyes for Nina. Mother has other plans for her. Kingdom of the Vampire is an action-packed horror drama in the tradition of George Romero's vampire epic, Martin. Directed by J.R. Bookwalter and produced by David Dakota. Did you get the impression that Jeff was 90 years old? No, in fact, uh, I wanted to get into that. How old exactly you thought he'd be? Because he, even though he's presented as someone in his early 20s, the, the fact that he's a vampire made me feel like he's probably been around for a lot longer. And that, uh, that, that verifies it, assuming the back of the box is canon. Yeah, I mean, so one thing this movie suggests based on his mom is that character or vampires aren't immortal like they live for a very long time in fact his mother says that she's older than time itself but they don't live forever because she's talking about how like she's getting too old to hunt on her own and she doesn't have much time left so my thinking was that jeff based on his behavior and everything is is actually a teenager we know he's older than that because at some point the sheriff says that his dad was killed you know before when he was a child um so we know he's gotta be at least like 50. but all of this all of this he acts like a teenager and I just can't get over that. I just can't think of him as not a teenager. There is a pseudo spoiler. There's a line at the end of the film where the sheriff sees our main character and says, you know, I remember you. 
right? Mm-hmm. So the the impression I got was that you know the sheriff actually recognized him as looking the exact same as when maybe they came across when he was um like much younger, like chronologically. Mm. I never thought of that, but that does make some sense. Let me think more about that. And in the meantime, let's go ahead and play the trailer. You and I are the last of a proud people, Jeff. Our tribes once covered this miserable earth and ruled it, feeding off of these sheep. Our kingdom was vast. I've never met anyone like you before. Where were you last night? I was just out doing stuff, Mom. There's nothing scary about death. Tomorrow night, we are going to have a little company, you and I. A nice, warm little child. No more killing! How dare you wish your commands to me? lot of spoilers in that one yeah i'm glad you got to hear quite a bit of jeff's mom though um yeah i just can't get over how how much i i like her um she i mean i think it's fair to say that this that she makes this movie i don't know i mean i think the the main guy pulls his weight yeah they do have they do have like a synergy that works really well yeah, and like I said earlier, I, I don't think his performance is bad by any means. Um, it's just his character is so pitiful that it's hard for me to like really be enthused about it. All right, so I don't necessarily see this as um, a problem with the script, but because, because we're also talking about abusive family dynamics, right? And when you try to when you try to analyze these sort of things with, um, you know, logic and sense to try to figure out why they're going on, you're, you're not really going to find it. But we have essentially the two last surviving members of this species. Why is she treating her only son as uh, like basically uh, like some kind of uh like pariah for for her lost kingdom she this kid had no chance of growing up to be like an ultimate vampire lord because of just how shitty they treated him as he was growing up because even though the dad is absent in this movie um it's told to the viewer that he was no better than the mom possibly worse well i my impression of the mom is not so much that she's like evil as she's just extremely misguided. Like later in the movie, they have a conversation where she says, like, I tried to raise you right. I tried to instill uh, the right things in you. And I wanted you to be a powerful vampire like like your father and me. And Uh, My impression was that her whole parenting style was like tough love, that if I 
Like eventually this kid is going to start fighting back against me. And that's, what's going to prove that he's powerful and like ready to be out on his own as a, as a vampire, as a hunter of humans. Uh, but instead he just gets more and more like traumatized. Yeah. I don't really feel like strength through adversity is a, good parenting style but perhaps i'm coming from a weak human mindset i i mean obviously it didn't work right like <laughs> no it, her her strategy did not produce the uh offspring that she expected but i think that's i i think that a lot of her aggression is an act and it's an act partly because she feels like she's actually superior to humans and partly because she is trying to model strength for Jeff and to try to push him towards being a stronger, more powerful vampire. So what do you feel she was trying to project by beating him with a crucifix? I don't know. But <laughs> so obviously Obviously, vampires are not killed by crucifixes in this because there's a point where she literally holds one and beats him with it until his blood starts running down the side of the bathtub. Um, I don't, what do you think that scene was about? I don't think... I, I, okay, so if you're trying to look at this logically, what you were just saying makes sense, that she was trying to like raise a stone-cold killer through um like an extremely hostile environment but it feels like if that was the original intent at some point the train derailed and it just turned into straight abuse it really just feels like she's taking out her own anger and insecurities on him because everything about her life and her prestige and her legacy is crumbling like imagine you go from being a timeless entity that feeds off life in castles and like expansive kingdoms. And then suddenly you find yourself, um, you know, thousands of years later <laughs> living in a two bedroom, one bathroom house where the, the highlight of your day is eating a Girl Scout <laughs> that came to sell you cookies. Yeah, by all indications, she just sits and watches TV all day and and waits for Jeff to come home. But let's talk about that Girl Scout scene, because this is our first um, introduction to her. And Jeff is getting home from work. And uh, he's like, where did you get those cookies? She says, I bought them. He's like, how did you buy them? Because obviously she doesn't leave. And she's like, a little girl was selling them door to door. And then she says, there's a mess in the kitchen. Why don't you go clean it up? And uh, first of all, this does not appear to be a little girl, right? I think this Girl Scout looks like a young adult. <laughs> um, Which is kind of strange because, you know, later they do not shy away from using actual children. Yeah. So when Jeff sees the, the dead Girl Scout on the kitchen floor and there's like blood everywhere on the walls and everything, uh, he's horrified and, and like covers his mouth and runs away. 
which I think is very odd for a couple of reasons. One, we know that he has been around dead bodies before, especially if he's 90 and he's lived off of blood. But secondly, like in his bedroom, he has horror movie posters all over the wall, like Evil Dead 2 and I Spit on Your Grave. He's wearing a Night of the Living Dead shirt. And uh, it seems to me like he kind of likes blood and gore, at least in movies. It seems a little early in this episode to go veering off into uh, over-analysis land, but I guess here we are. Um, it, this, this, uh, this movie does not exactly establish a, a solid backing for vampire lore. Like, we don't really know how this shit works. For all we know, maybe vampires mature at, like, a mental capacity that is nowhere near comparable to, to normal people. We don't even know how new vampires are made. Like, clearly, you can't just use a person or a victim. Otherwise, there would be no shortage of vampires to begin with. So, you know, it is a little unusual because surely by now his mother has been killing uh, you know, people in front of him his entire life. But if I remember right, the first time he's actually tasted blood is not until later in the film. Well, he tastes the Girl Scouts blood, but I thought that he had been drinking blood like his whole life. Well, I kind of got I just got the impression that they were able to eat regular food and be fine if they need to eat it all. I mean, mom is in the fucking living room snacking on cookies. So we ain't we ain't in and rice territory where, you know, you have to eat blood or you throw the shit up or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I kind of uh, you're right that it's ambivalent and unexplained. And so maybe they don't need blood and he really hasn't had it in the past. Um, but I kind of like that the movie doesn't have that clear exposition, like Fright Night style, where they say, here are the rules of vampires. Like, I kind of like that we just discover what we do naturally. So for example, we see Jeff later in the film getting really sick because he's out in the sun, but he doesn't like burst into flames or explode or turn to ash or anything. He just feels really sick and weak i don't watch many vampire movies but yeah it gets really tiresome when you have any sort of film that involves a mythological creature and they have to spend like five minutes in side talk establishing the uh the, the rules of the game sometimes you just don't need that and i think this is a film where they made the right choice yeah at the end of the day i don't really care honestly um i just as much logical question as I have about like how old he actually is and how he developed into this person while I'm watching the movie, I just buy him as like a meek emo teenager. And, uh, if he's really 90, well, he doesn't act like it or look like it. So I got to take what I've given, you know, yeah. uh, but I really like this speech that she gives, uh, a, explaining to him how he killed how she killed the uh the girl scout she says i cut her throat with my thumbnail she thought i was reaching for my purse i ate her eyes out before she died then i ripped her tongue out and ate that she was still alive i know she was because i heard her scream and when she screamed it didn't come out of her mouth 
It came out of the hole in her throat like a whistle. I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, if you're aiming for barbarism, yeah, that, that seals the deal. Yeah. She does say something like, you know, it's part of our nature and you have to feed just like I have to feed. So maybe not all the time or maybe only once they reach a certain age, but there is the indication that like they need blood. That is a great establishing speech for her. That really sets her character for the rest of the film. There's absolutely no confusion as to what this mom is all about. Uh, yeah. But it turns out that the Girl Scout is not dead somehow because unless she's starting to turn into a vampire. Nah, because... nah. Because if, if there was really a vampire shortage, you know, they would just keep making more vampires. I mean, maybe you don't want more because then that's like competition. Then why would she be sad about them all getting killed by people? Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, she tells Jeff to take the body out to the shed. And when he does, it starts moving around like the girl is waking up. But he has it wrapped in garbage bags. And he bangs her over the head with a hammer like several times. And it's it's brutal. Like he's really one blow with a hammer like this. You would be done. Uh, depends on if you hit him square in the head. I mean, he, the first hit is really, is really just not very committal because he doesn't want to do it. But the yeah. problem is if you don't follow through, it's just going to be worse for her. So then he just has to keep hitting and hitting until eventually, uh, the bags stop moving. And besides, after what the mom just described, do you really still want her to be alive? Yeah, no. I really, I thought this effect, though, was really cool. Of, like, hitting the body in the garbage bag with the hammer. Because yeah. it it looks real, you know, but you don't need a lot of gore or anything to make it look real. So, I thought that was a cool idea. But it's shortly after this when she tells him about the kingdom of the vampire. About how they were once the last of a proud people. This is when we first get uh, Jeff's over-emotive reactions. I wish I could mimic it, but he, he's, he tells her that she's a liar, that there was never a kingdom of the vampire. But it's more like, you lied, there never was a kingdom of the vampire. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard to understand, right? Uh what did you think of the part where the mom uh, bites the kitten's head off? I mean, it's it's an easy way to establish that. Well, if they already established that she's pretty fucking cruel, but, you know, is she cruel enough to eat the head off a kitten? Like, yes, here we go. Just go ahead and show it. It's actually really cool because we just see the silhouette in the on the wall. Oh, yeah. It's easy and, effect. You just put the kitten behind you in the shadow. Easy. So, again, like, it's so smart because if you don't have the budget to convincingly show, like, lots of gore, then this is an easy and effective way to still make it look, like, upsetting, but on on a low budget. Man, it doesn't help that it's, like, this cute little kitten. 
you know, to get it to come inside, she does the the standard cat call, like the here kitty kitty, here kitty kitty. When do you think people started saying that? I don't know. Like, why do you think people call cats like that? We don't call we don't call dogs like that. Yeah, let me just let me just do a quick check. Nobody says here, puppy, puppy. I have no idea. Um, this was not a question I was ready to answer, but I I feel like there's probably some sort of I know some some sort of catophile has already done like the the deep dive into the etymology of, of this saying. I just don't know. If if you know this answer, let us know, because as I was watching the movie, I suddenly became curious. Not something I've ever thought of before, but it popped to mind. I mean, what about like, pss, pss, pss? yeah, you know, that, like where'd I, that come from? I, uh, I make clicking noises at my cat. I go. Yeah. Uh, really, he, my cat only pays attention when she's hungry. So it doesn't really matter what noises I make at that point. She just ran up the stairs when I did that. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I, I have a Sphinx cat. They're more like dogs. She comes when she's called and like plays fetch and stuff, you know, things that ordinary cats don't do. But anyhow, so we talked about Jeff and his mom. Let's talk about the other major relationship, which is Jeff and Nina. So on their first date, he's just walking her home. And this is where they have one of those really deep conversations about the night. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, she's like, you know, it, it might sound crazy, but I really like the night. And he says, no, that doesn't sound crazy at all. I really like the night, too. And then they have a good five minute conversation about the night and why it's so special. <laughs> Is it really that long? I possibly have blocked parts of this out. Maybe I'm exaggerating it in my mind, but I know they go back and forth a, a, a while. First of all, she's wearing like a pink track suit, which just gives the whole scene like a, a very 80s aerobics video feel um but they're saying how you know everything's beautiful at night because during the day the city is just a bunch of tall buildings but at night all of the lights are like stars like a galaxy and uh and nina is like yeah it's like the night is just this this big beautiful night <laughs> <laughs> and she says this which was, was wait was that the actual wording i'm yeah that's what i wrote down anyway oh no i mean i believe it but oh no i might have started toning her out <laughs> well the she said she says this next which i think i already know what you're gonna say she says you know you can sleep during the daytime yeah. But you can only have dreams after dark. Uh, did did someone actually think this was true? Like, where did this come from? I, is this a really meta script? I don't know. I don't know the answer. I wish Jeff had corrected her because, like, Jeff only sleeps during the day. 
I, but maybe vampires don't dream. How old are we saying this girl be? Uh, she looks like 25 to 30. Oh, I think that's a little, I feel a little pushing it. Um, I think it's probably like 2025. 20, okay. <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> do we have any quips about a, a 90 year old vampire trying to date a 20 year old girl? Uh, you know, I did find it weird. I, I, mean, I found it. It has nothing on Twilight, but I'm just throwing it out there anyway. Yeah, not just the uh, not just the inappropriateness of it, but more like I can't believe that this ninety-year-old vampire is on a lower level of emotional maturity than this girl. Again, you know, not necessarily his fault. You see, you've seen what he's been growing up with. True. Yeah. But this is where uh, this is where Jeff says that his dad used to beat him, used to hit him, and. Uh, that his dad always said, you know, why do you keep running away from me after he was beating him? But we find out that his dad's dead. That his dad died. So. But <laughs> <laughs> after, after he reveals this truth to uh, Nina, she says, but you're okay, right? You're not scarred or anything. You're normal. Is it a question? I feel like she said it as a statement. It's kind of like a it's kind of like a statement with a bit of doubt. Like you are normal, right? Oh no, I heard it as like you're normal. Like as an assurance. <laughs> oh, well maybe. <laughs> but like if 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 somebody who acts like Jeff tells you that when he was a little kid his dad would beat him and then like gaslight him for running away i would not assume this person was not scarred i'd be like well that explains a lot <laughs> oh so i yeah i just uh i wasn't i wasn't following her but um she tells him that he reminds her of a pet mouse that she used to have and that the mouse always thought she was going to hurt him, but she just wanted him to pet him. And then she kisses Jeff on the cheek. Would... This, is, this is what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> this is like fantasy girlfriend shit for a really sad boy. And this person <laughs> doesn't exist. <laughs> I mean, maybe there's someone like this out there, but do you think that this is like, do you think that Matthew Jason Walsh, that this was his fantasy of like the kind of girl he wanted in real life? I don't know, but like I was, I mean, I guess she does have like a sort of proto um, manic pixie girl vibe to her, but it's, it's not quite as fantastical uh, I mean, she doesn't have the manic. No, she definitely doesn't have the manic. Yeah. Chill pixie girl? I don't... I think she's just like... I think she's just a really generic, boring fantasy girl. Yeah. Um, but she kind of seems like the kind of girl that might be growing up in a really small town in the late 80s, early 90s, where like you didn't have the internet... And 
she's probably low income like she can't just pick up and move across the country or something exciting so like you got to be interested in the guys that are around and it seems like uh jeff's competition are the guys who are credited in the credits at as rednecks but they're the guys who are trying to get in the convenience store after it closes and they're like give us our freaking beer those guys yeah I mean, if that was your competition, like, I guess I'd be trying to get with Jeff too. I've never lived in a small town like that. So I definitely did not have that perspective. I really, my mind just went straight to fantasy girl. Like that, that this whole, again, like I said in the beginning, this whole movie feels like a, like a vampire self insert fantasy fic. I, I mean, you, I have. You, you deal with your real life problems in a fantasy situation. Like, you know, fuck you, mom. I'm, I'm a real vampire. Yeah. I mean, that's. Don't get me wrong. That's probably the case. Um, but this does do the small. I have lived in small towns. And um, I think this movie does a pretty good job of capturing, like, what the people are like. And the people in this movie look like real people, they don't, they don't look like Hollywood types. Um, I can believe that this girl is actually like the girl who lives down the street and works at the Walmart in, you know, small town USA. But this whole date, like Jeff's mom is furious about it because he gets home 30 minutes late and she tells him that if he lies to her or if he betrays her, it would be the same as killing her. And he's like, is that what happened to daddy? <laughs> she says, don't you ever say that again. I loved your father. I, uh, it does say a lot about his character that like, he's never been home late before. Especially if he's 90. So imagine this, you own a convenience store and you have a guy that's been working there for you for a long time maybe 50 years <laughs> and that guy doesn't age a fucking day <laughs> doesn't that raise a red flag yeah <laughs> yeah it should well, maybe you can explain it away by the convenience store kept changing hands of owners and no one just ever bothered to think about how this guy had been there for 50 years because there's been four different owners <laughs> You know, maybe that's why Jeff looks the way he does. He's not actually like an emo grunge type. He just needs a new look. If you don't age, you got to change up your look a lot. Yeah, but all right. So assuming he's 90, this is not, what you're saying. He looks like he's from the 1900s. No, I'm just <laughs> saying that maybe if you were like, a straight laced guy in a polo shirt and glasses one week. And then the next week you had hair down to your chest and dark eye makeup and you wore hoodies that covered your features. Like maybe someone would think you're different people. Yeah. This guy doesn't definitely does not have that kind of forethought. Yeah, probably not. All right. So let's talk about the Halloween part. Cause this is a Halloween movie. Uh, I always forget that this is a Halloween movie, but yeah, you finally get your idyllic, like 
middle class subdivision with kids walking around with the buckets and their costumes. Yeah, but we don't see enough in this movie. Like there there's there's a point where a mom walks up to um Jeff's house and they knock and say trick or treat and she's like, "You know, this whole neighborhood, nobody's in the Halloween spirit." But your house, your house is so nicely decorated, like it's so wonderful, but there aren't any decorations. We don't see any jack-o'-lanterns. We don't, we see some decorations inside, but we don't see a lot of Halloween going on in this neighborhood. You got to use your imagination, man. They had a $2,000 budget. Well, I do like, so um, her son at one point she asks him what he's supposed to be dressed at dressed up as and he says robot ninja he's the best he kills people and that was um that was bookwater's previous film was robot ninja so there's a review on imdb where the writer claims to be that kid and he rates the movie a one out of ten. <laughs> well, I uh, I don't share his opinion, but oh, he didn't he didn't direct Robot Ninja. He wrote or he produced it. Um, but yeah, Robot Ninja's fun. It, it's it's just like a super violent um, superhero movie where he takes revenge on like a gang of rapists. So, like, I spit on your grave, but with a robot ninja. Uh, kinda. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, has Linnea Quigley in it. It's, it's fun. Um. This mom, though, is, uh, probably the most unbelievable character in the entire film. She feels like she walked off a an advertisement for cereal or something and she's just going trick-or-treating with her kid she didn't bother me that much she sounds so aloof but in a way that's very artificial yeah i mean i'm not gonna say that i was impressed by her performance but it didn't stand out to me as bad it was just kind of like standard standard straight to video shot on video type acting but you know, even though there's no Halloween decorations on the outside, there is a sick animatronic skeleton rocking around in the living room. You know, I actually think it's really cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. And the kid would agree with you. He's like, wow, he takes off his robot ninja mask and runs right into the living room. So um, that the trap is basically is basically set. Yep. And once the mom and the kid are inside, Jeff closes and locks the door behind him. And uh, <laughs> we get what is probably um, it, the most awkward uh, murder scene of the whole film, I would say, where mom is holding, well, other mom, <laughs> victim mom. And we have Jeff that needs to hit her with a hammer like with the beginning of the film, but it's, he's really reluctant to go through with it. So then the, the hammer murder kind of morphs into the, let me touch you sort of scene. 
where he starts to caress her leg and squeeze her boob through her shirt. Um, it's actually very weird and creepy. But was it like a sexual caress or was he like kind of caressing this person like they were uh, like a like a sick sandwich or something? I thought it was sexual, uh, which which was odd to me because we don't really get that vibe anywhere else in the movie. But I was just thinking like, all right, outside the context of the movie, if I were just to watch this scene, like imagine you're hit with a hammer thrown down on a bed you can hear your like child being murdered in the next room and meanwhile this meek abused looking teenage boy is groping you like this would be an incredibly frightening creepy disgusting situation oh yeah and it's it's miserable so it's actually like I don't know. I actually think it's a pretty effective scene, even if she's not the best actress. Well, at this point, she's no longer some, uh, you know, cardboard cutout mom. Now she's a victim. And ah, she, so now she, she has that, purpose and she fits that role. OK, well, I mean, she, because the whole act has been dropped where she's like, you know, sighing and talking to herself about like the labors of motherhood and all that shit. Like that's all out the window now. Now she's just acting like a victim. We don't have any of that cheesy dialogue weighing her performance down. Well, the killing of this woman and her son is what gets the main antagonist of the movie involved. And that's the the sheriff. What did you think of the sheriff in this movie? Thought he was just like generic white guy law enforcement. Just comes stridling into your business to find out what's going on. He does have a very interesting way of talking, though, and I don't just mean his accent. Did did, did that he, stand did out he, to you? His accent? I don't know. It just sounded like uh, some sort of like rural old town nonsense. It's not. It's the cadence of the way he speaks. So, for example, he he shows up at Jeff's door and he's telling Jeff that he looks sick because I mean, we know it's because Jeff is out in the sun and he's a vampire, but the, the sheriff is like um, asking him if he, you know, is drinking or if he's on drugs, but he speaks like this. He says, are you on drugs? You wouldn't just happen to take a joint if some friends were passing it around. Would you maybe? Jeff, I don't know. He draws out certain words, but then puts pauses in weird places. I, I'm not. It's not an attack. It's just very unique no. to me. So he doesn't really have those speech patterns later in the film when he's talking to his secretary, right? No, it's only when so he's talking to Jeff. Here's the impression I got was that he was talking to Jeff as if Jeff was like mentally challenged. <laughs> So he was trying to dumb down his speak to, you know, appeal to Jeff's level of <laughs> like conception. Okay. That's the impression I got because, you know, it's this weird, sickly, pale kid who opened the door and he sounds really meek and God, he really does look sick now. I mean, because it's the sun, but we don't, he don't, he doesn't know that. 
So then, uh, and he's talking about his mom, right? He's like a, like a dude in his mid twenties and he's talking about, you know, his mom being sick and stuff. So maybe, you know, he's a mama's boy. He's at home all the time. Sheriff is just sort of, uh, adapting his, his speech to try to get what he wants, which is, uh, you know, was my daughter-in-law and her son at your house for trick-or-treating last night. All right. But I, the, the, the sheriff it pretty he succeeds in making me not like him like for whatever reason even though i should be rooting for him to like you know stop innocent people from being murdered i really disliked him uh, i mean he didn't really strike me as uh unlikable he's just you know your average everyday law enforcement officer but i mean he's actually at least doing his job he's not corrupt as far as we find out yeah that's true it, i mean compared to these other films that are shot on video that is the best we can hope for i mean for whatever reason i have a really strong reaction to this guy i just i don't don't like him but all right let's talk about the climax of this movie and where like jeff finally turns into a man where uh, nina comes looking for him at his house he's not there but his mom grabs hold of her and so there's a showdown between Jeff and his mom out in the woods where she basically says, like, if you don't kill this girl, then I will. And Jeff Jeff says no, and he calls her a stinking whore. Do you, you know, think I, I really thought the end of this movie was going to be Jeff would be unable to suppress his vampire, his vampiric, uh, you know, tendencies and he would accidentally eat his girlfriend. That's how I really thought it was going to end. Well, there's a scene where he almost seems to be doing that. Where like yeah. it it's like they're going to make out but we see his fangs. Um so yeah, I thought it might go there too. So this was a, a little unexpected to me. I I did not expect such a uh man, like a scorched earth ending. Nobody comes out intact. Do you think that they were trying to show like a a triumphant scene like a um you know this is the journey of a of a immature weak uh defenseless teenager as he rises to confront a great evil in defense of his girlfriend Yes, like I, I really think that's what they were going for. You know, this was written by the abused kid that needed to, you know, get the victory story over his mom. That was the good ending for him. It's it's weird because that I like this movie, but that does not work for me at all. Like, I don't even it doesn't even seem obvious to me that that's what they're going for. You've kind of got to read into it a little bit. So, but even though they didn't succeed in that arc, that thematic, uh, you know, that theme of victory and growth, uh, I still like the movie. Well, so did we mention that the girlfriend dies here? Not yet. Yeah. I mean, the girlfriend dies before he even confronts his mom. Yeah. You know, again, I expected her to die, but not like that. Yeah, because he he won't. Uh, his mom tells him to kill her, and he won't do it. 
So the mom, the mom kills her. Well, he's holding a wooden stake that was supposed to be to kill his mother. And his mom instead, who is holding girlfriend hostage, then pushes her onto the stake that he is holding. Um, He just kind of stands there and lets it happen. And she dies. And then he pushes his mom onto this sharp branch that's sticking out of a tree. Which is like a stake. And she dies. And this is right before the cops get there and fill Jeff with bullets. Well, we don't actually get to see that part. He's carrying his dead girlfriend through the woods as the sheriff stumbles upon him. He says the line where he says, you know, you know, now I remember what you look like. And, you know, we have Jeff like hiss at the camera right before the hail of bullets come out. So, you know, he's killed by the society that never understood him or accepted him. Well, would that have killed him, though, if he's a vampire? I would assume that if the bullets didn't kill him, they would at least wound him to the point where they could then just set him on fire or something, you know, kill him the traditional way. Yeah, because he talked the sheriff talks at one point about how his dad killed who we surmise is Jeff's dad um, by burning him inside of his convenience store, which this is an aside. But so we hear that Jeff's dad also owned a convenience store. And I think that's really smart to show vampires working in this job where you can conveniently work during the night. Right. But you're in a small suburban town. I just thought that was a like a smart way to fit them into the real world. This is a classic trope in vampire films. You know, how do vampires or just gothic monsters in general survive and adapt to modern day? And, you know, this is just one approach. Yeah. Do you subscribe to the idea that immortal monsters like say vampires as they get older would uh slowly grow like insane with boredom as they uh have experienced everything life is the offer i don't know i mean there are uh, there's other media that that shows that 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 illustrates this idea that um immortality or eternity would be boring or would you know breed apathy or make some make life meaningless ultimately uh, i've just it i understand why people suggest that and pursue that theme i just don't i have a hard time identifying with it yeah i'm not by i don't buy it either um especially when you have mom here watching television I really feel like you know the modern day vampire would just basically be a television or a video game junkie and then just eat people between all those sessions. I mean, maybe I'm naive, but like I can't imagine getting tired of having I can't imagine getting tired of like watching every movie that's ever been made and reading every book that's ever been written and like listening to every album that I can find. Like I, I never seem to get tired of finding those things, much less having real experiences like traveling all over the world and meeting different people and learning different theories and academic ideas and being exposed to new cultures. Like, even if uh, maybe I just can't fathom the idea of eternity, but I can't imagine getting bored. 
So I think the idea behind like, say, Anne Rice coming up with something like this for her universe was um, and I've only read the first book. So this is like the extent of my my understanding of vampires from like that mythology. But I certainly don't think this is specific to her would be, um, you know, you grow up in a time where the only art that is accessible is, say, like classical or neoclassical. You grow up in the Renaissance, for example. And then hundreds of years later, um, when you get to like, you know, the, um, you know, say like the, the 1940s or something and 1950s and you start to see all these new art forms come out like, um, you know, cubism and, uh, you know, impressionism and stuff that you might see stuff like that, these like styles, and they are so against the grain of what your regular your original concept of what art might be that you kind of get into this super this super uh old man effect where it's like man what are the kids doing nowadays except like then it's like the kids of the kids of the kids of the kids of the kids because you never die and that is like what slowly like drives you insane is that you just see how far people and society has changed from what you have perceived is the ideal because that was the time when you were in your prime that said though i still think like you know vampire just sit down and play video games all day yeah i i don't know if i buy it but anyway that seems like a perfect place to wrap up give final thoughts and a review out of four you want to start yeah um so uh man i'm kind of surprised we jumped right back into shot on video but you know it's all up to the eight ball now we have no control over it this uh this film is probably the latest of the shot on videos that we've seen does that sound right mm, no uh burning moon would have been after this hmm. this one feels more modern like the most modern that we have seen of the shot on videos and i think that we can really owe that to the direction of this entire film i i feel that the breakaway from just standard reaction shots and framing like you know scene framing like traditional camera work it really goes a long way like regardless of what this movie was about just the fact that we were able to have like again a non-panning shot where a camera just moves with characters that are talking um is something that i just it's something so minor i thought was so great to see um because i i just have this feeling that when we watch shot on video films um often the direction is limited because of the medium and because they don't want to, um, or maybe they can't position themselves in a way where they can get all the audio and video and whatever synced up in a way that's presentable. Um, did the acting, um, you know, it does have the quirks that we see in other shot on video, but uh, I think it's pretty spot on for what the characters are supposed to be. Mom is great. And Jeff, uh, Jeff's like synergy with mom is, I, I guess the reason why you really watch this film for for a horror film there really actually isn't much uh gore or violence and most of it's just implied and uh 
you know, there I will never forget the scene where um, mom vampire beats her son with a crucifix. It comes it, it doesn't quite come off as laughable just because of the setup. Like you really get the impression that um, that this is a very abusive relationship and Jeff is just here coping. I couldn't hum any of the music to you, but it seemed all right. Like it, you know, it matched the film. The fact that I don't remember it as being terrible is probably um, something that should go a long way. Oh, you know, something I was really looking for was uh, the over. We we discussed this during Night Ripper. The scene that you know the shots where you would have like the character's reaction and then the camera would linger too long. Yeah, that did not happen in this film. Not a single no. time. So fucking props to to Jr. here. That that is amazing. <laughs> um, I do. Th- even though this movie is only like an hour and ten minutes, there are parts um, about after the sheriff shows up for the first time. There are a lot of parts where this movie just starts to drag a little bit. Um, it, this is there's a lot of focus on family dynamics here for what's supposed to be a horror movie about vampires, and that's fine and all, but. Um, it does get a little a little slow in, I would say, like Act 2.5, if you want to call it that. Um, I think if for like normies, this is like a solid like two star film. I don't think it's it's anywhere near as bad as uh, Robot Ninja Kid thinks it is. I mean, maybe compared to modern standards, like if you're used to just watching not watching these kinds of films then yeah i could totally say it's like on the bottom of the pile but that's only because you have no idea what real horrors lie in the dark yeah i this movie's like a comfort movie for me uh, that i can put on anytime and i'm not really sure why um i don't think it's perfect or anything but something about it i just really like um but if if you were given $2,500 and your ideas were the title, Kingdom of the Vampire, and wanting to pay homage to an old soap opera about vampires, like, it makes sense that this is what came out. And I actually think it's a pretty admirable creation um, and pretty impressive uh, to given the limitations right I, I think it's pretty well directed and even though i think uh matthew jason walsh's performance is a little ridiculous at times uh, it's a little histrionic uh when he's doing his scream cry talking but i believe his character um and in his mom is fantastic she's one of the best evil abusive on-screen crazy moms uh, in the whole you know universe of crazy moms that i love um and she's fantastic so i don't i'm not bored at all in this movie uh every part works for me if i was going to complain about anything it would probably be just 
the movie isn't realistic enough or lifelike enough for me to really get sucked in and disturbed by this, even though there are things about it that are disturbing and ideas that are disturbing, it doesn't feel real enough to disturb me. And I think with some little tweaks, you probably could have made it feel more real, um, feel more like something that actually, you know, happened. And, you know, a couple of small towns over or whatever that like people whisper about, like the way that some true crime uh, media um, portrays really well. But anyway, um, I'm going to give this 3.25 stars. Wow. What the fuck? Yep. I'm breaking the rules. That's I don't like that. 3.25. Oh, no, because it's it's. It's better than three, but if I say 3.5, that makes it sound like it's a masterpiece. And... I think you can round down. It's okay. Ah, but, but this movie's strangely close to my heart. Anyhow, all right, let's shake up the Magic 8-Ball and see what we're doing next week. Leland, next week we're going back to Italy, back to the land of Joe D'Amato. We're going to do Monster Hunter, also known as Absurd. Yeah, we have not done an Italian film in a very long time. Nope. And Joe D'Amato, that was back uh, Beyond the Darkness. Yeah, like episode five or something? Three? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. A lot of people consider this like a semi-sequel to Anthropophagus, um, Grim Reaper. It's really not. It just, it, But it does star the same actor, George Eastman, who also, I think, wrote both movies. Um, and it's, it's also a case of like a cannibalistic killer, but it's a very different movie. I actually think this is a much better movie than Anthropophagus. Have you ever seen this one? No, I've not. I have seen Anthropophagus, but it's been so long I don't remember it. But just like uh just like Beyond the Darkness, which we did early on, I I think the movie is like it's it's relentlessly like tension building. Um and it's definitely got some awesome gore scenes. So yeah, I'm pumped to talk about this one. You can stream this on Tubi. I think it's on YouTube as well and maybe Prime, but um, and it it was released on VHS as both Absurd and Monster Hunter. Um, and I think in some places it was actually released as Anthropophagus 2, uh, but I'm not sure. Anyway. What's important is that you don't have to pay $200 for an obscure VHS to see it. Nope. The, the the Monster Hunter release on Wizard Video, which has a really awesome box, but it used to go for pretty big money, like over a hundred bucks, but I don't think it does anymore. I, I think this is this is now much easier to get. So yeah, so if you haven't watched Absurd, uh, Monster Hunter, check it out and join us next week. 
Uh, until then, you can follow us on Instagram at video.store.nightmares, and you can interact with us there. Um, you can listen to our back episodes and rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Leland, do you have any last words? Do you think you could come up with a top 10 list of uh, crazy abusive moms? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll have to think about it, though. All right. Well, um, if we had our shit together, then we probably would have released this episode uh, today. But because we didn't, happy late Mother's Day. Yeah, we're recording this on Mother's Day. It 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 takes me a while, especially when I'm as busy with work as I am right now, to like edit an episode and get it uploaded for you all. But um, do it as fast as we can. So happy belated Mother's Day. All right. We'll talk to you all next week about Monster Hunter.